This is the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. In today's episode, we're joined by Japan Forward editor in chief Naito san, senior editor Susan, journalist Ariel, and our guest for today, Ed. Ed is a longtime sports journalist with lots of experience of covering sports in Japan and also outside of Japan. He's been writing for over 15 years. Ed has also covered for the 2008 Beijing Olympics and the 2012 London Games. Thank you, Ed, for joining us today. Could you tell us what you have for our podcast session?、Uh, good afternoon.、Uh, today's、uh, podcast selection involves discussion of the, sumo Grand sumo tor- the July Grand Sumo Tournament. Uh, and the return of fans to the arena for the first time since the January Basho. The Japan Sumo Association is sort of following guidelines set by Nippon Professional Baseball and J League, the Japan's professional soccer league, in allowing a reduced number of fans to be in attendance at sporting matches and tournaments. After the state of emergency was lifted around the country, there was a gradual plan to allow fans to be back in the In the arenas. So on Monday, the Japan Sumo Association had an extraordinary meeting at which it was decided that 25% capacity, approximately, or 2,500 fans, would be permitted to attend the upcoming July Basho, which starts on Sunday and runs for 15 consecutive days at Ryogoku Kokugikan. In Tokyo. So, this is exciting and I guess good, great news for sumo fans and also a sign for, I guess, a recovery for the sports entertainment industry.、Um, I'm really happy that、uh, they're making this progress. I guess they have to be very cautious on allowing too many people in at the same time. And one thing I, I guess I'd like to ask. Ed and maybe other people here joining the podcast is our Japanese fans. Like, what can we expect from them for their behavior when they participate at these live sporting events?、Um, first of all, the entrance to the arena, fans will be expected to go through the protocol of having their temperature checked for fever, which is, of course, a symptom of COVID 19, and also, you know, using hand sanitizer. So, those are two precautionary measures. And inside the arena, Or a stadium, fans will be expected to wear masks and practice social distancing with where they're sitting. At Ryogoku, isn't that pretty difficult? I mean, a lot of people sit on the, the flat、uh, mat seats. How can they、uh, enforce the social dis- distancing with that? Furthermore, I think、uh, the, normally in the main arena, people sit in fours, right? So it's a very convivial experience. So it sounds like it is quite difficult to enforce. and... I guess it also takes a little bit away from the experience. but、um. I'm imagining that,、uh, and you'll see also in some、um, restaurants, they'll put like a, a sticker or a piece of paper that says you can't sit here. I've been to one or maybe two sumo events.、Um, and one thing I remember is that how people sometimes bring their own zabuton、yeah. to sit.、Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't throw, throw those <laughs> when they see an upset. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm envisioning that there'll be gaps in the rows and there'll be some, was it tears? That they'll be open. But as Ariel says, there's usually like four people sitting in the area with, where the zabatons are. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, I guess the,、uh, they're accepting only 25% occupancy. So does that mean that only one person will be there? And 
in any event, it will look much better to have at least one person in the box than no people. So uh, the Samoa players should be, I think, very happier, much happier with the situation. I, I personally did. I did not see the specific seating chart based on the meeting that was held by the Sumo Association, but you would think there might be some gaps. But yeah, I mean, on television, it looks better if the, the lower sections are lively. From I was personally interested in this, so I also researched it. But um, before, you used to be able to buy uh, groups of tickets. So you could buy like four tickets. You could buy the box and then, you know, just all in one go. But now they're only allowing uh, one person to buy a single ticket. Um, so maybe that's also how they're enforcing it, right? So if you say, I want a box ticket, you can buy one. But uh, you might not be able to sit with other people and so on. And what happens to the, you know, uh, the people who wants to eat inside of the, you know, the, the, the box? I mean, you know, the, like a lunch or the sign, some snacks. <laughs> because, you know, those are the kind of, you know, uh, one of the durable moments for the fans, you know, screaming and, you know, eating out and drinking something. Yeah, I think screaming might be addressed soon because of um, how theme parks made that yeah. announcement that you have to scream in your heart. <laughs> so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a slogan that was along the lines of cheer in your heart <laughs> um, to avoid people from you know, excessively shouting and spreading potential viruses in the air. When you just think about the challenges that we've just talked about, it's quite remarkable that they decided to open this. Um, it's, it's really exciting to have fans back in um, witnessing the games in person, but what a challenge in this day and age. On a related point, uh, Susan, um, I mean, let's just look at the calendar this year. The January Basho was normal. March was held without fans behind closed doors. The May Basho was canceled, and now they're coming back with a reduced capacity of fans, 25%. So still experimenting. Well, 25% now, and um, hopefully down the line, maybe comes up to 50% capacity. Who knows? Ed, I know you did You did a similar story with like the baseball and how they were allowing fans to into their mm-hmm. games and NPB. Um, and you also mentioned that you were able to get some fans' comments on their experience. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Well, in reading, uh, I don't want to take credit for firsthand um, face-to-face contact, but in reading a lot of the stories from um, June 19th, two comments that one of the national newspapers had really really touched upon the issue in the same article. Um, fans who were at the uh, Chibalote Marines game against the Cebu Lions on June 19th which happened to be the first, I'm sorry, it was, la, it, was, it was last week when fans were allowed back in. There was optimism, but there was also a, a sense of caution from the fans in, in how the, you know, the COVID numbers are rising. And there might be, there might be a limit to the, to, to the timeline when the league might actually take a step back and say, uh, we have to stop having fans come in. So with, with that preface that I just gave, this is one of the fans at a game at the, uh, one of the Marines fans, uh, and I quote, Tokyo had a lot of cases again on Friday, so hopefully this won't be our last time at a game, okay? And on a related note, another fan said, we are worried about the corona case, coronavirus, but we're definitely excited to be here today. I think those are concerns for 
um, people who are going out in public, um, whether it's sports or not. But it, it, yeah. it's exciting to hear that they are, you know, excited about the, li- the life sports experience again. Mm-hmm. Before we, we jump around and, and open the discussion, um, it's probably helpful to note that the, the NPB has announced that its earlier plan was to expand uh, fan capacity to one half of the of the um, stadium capacity as of August 1st. But one might wonder if that is doubtful now based on the increase um, of the coronavirus cases. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the numbers in the last few days have been quite worrying. Uh, For two days in a row, Tokyo registered the highest numbers, you know, recorded thus far. And, you know, they've been progressively larger. Um, It's nearly 300 people and 300 new patients diagnosed in one day now. Mm. Um, This has a lot to do with the fact that the the testing capacity has increased. Um, Mm. But obviously, it's already affecting uh, how sports is being organized, as for example, in the story that you you wrote about sumo, uh, Mm. Ed, you mentioned that uh, they decided to hold the tournament uh, in uh, Tokyo instead of how it was supposed to be scheduled in Nagoya uh, to prevent the sumo wrestlers traveling uh, from Tokyo to Nagoya. So I think it definitely raises questions about you know, how we're going to organize sports from now on. And is there going to be like a call to avoid people coming into the capital, for example, and other questions as well. Ed, this is similar to how you wrote the baseball story, Mm -hmm. how home teams and visiting teams do play a set number of games before they go on to travel again. Yeah, um, in normal years, a series is three games back to back to back days. This year, the Pacific League, for example, is playing six-game series. So, as a way of limiting travel. <laughs> so this is quite, con- it's quite consistent with with the sumo. How they want everything to be in some sort of like bubble and have all the sumo wrestlers. I'm imagining also it'll limit journalists uh, in mm-hmm. the media from traveling in and out of Tokyo, and that they'll just stay <laughs> within Tokyo. But the concerns that Ariel did raise is that. Would it be enough to attract people? Maybe <laughs> that might be a thing too. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a question of you know. Um, uh, sh- what should we do in the future with uh, large events? Because, for example, one of the big uh, cases that was pointed out in the media was a cluster that formed in a theater, right? And uh, sumo, um, unlike, for example, maybe other sports like baseball and football, um, is done indoors in a relative... It's, it's a large venue, but it's relatively small compared to a stadium, right? So, you know, it's uh, for now, this is an as Susan mentioned, an experiment. So we're seeing how it goes. But I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, breaking and like seeing how it goes and then maybe like adjusting going along. What do you think about this, Ed? Yeah, I think it is. It's a case by case basis by each league and by each sports association. But they're they're also monitoring each other and sometimes collaborating. Like there's a there's a government um, panel of uh, infectious disease experts who have been working with the J-League and MPB and also the B-League, um, the, the Basketball League, in terms of scheduling and, and pulling back and canceling and postponing. There is definitely um, 
some experimentation going on and adjustments along the way. The um, NPB, the baseball, J-League, um, we kind of think these uh, sporting events are held within, like, they're in open air. Not necessarily, not necessarily for baseball. There are, there are several domes yeah, that are the home, the home ballpark, such as Tokyo Dome um, within the city limits. Right. But, for example, sumo, Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about B League basketball. They're both like closed, closed stadiums. They're not open air. Um, so I'm guessing that we'll see some differences there if mm-hmm. uh, the virus will be contracted or not. I, I think it's interesting that that in the article I remember Ed you saying something about the athletes going through additional testing that will help sort of prevent spreading the disease. Uh, in the close contact um, sports. Uh, can you tell us about how that's working with the different sports? Baseball players have, before the season started again, let's let's look back to March and the NPB season was delayed until July, uh, June 19th, excuse me. And in order to be able to play, players have been undergoing testing uh if I'm remembering correctly, up till now, a couple times a week for the various, um, you know, the coronavirus cases, coronavirus testing, excuse me. Are they doing that in this um, Samoa uh, field as well? They're testing the players before they can play or um, do we know about that? I believe so, but I don't have a definitive answer on that. You know, there's a couple of the a couple of the um, training stables had outbreaks of um, of the virus in March, if you recall. March and March and April. Yeah, and, yeah, I remember that. Remember, the twenty-eight-year-old guy passed away. So I would say testing is pretty strict. Um, but how often? I, I don't have that exactly in front of me. The, the details on that. I also saw yeah that just they're restricting uh, handshaking, and I, I didn't realize that Japan actually engaged in a lot of handshaking. But apparently, uh, some fans like to shake the hands of uh, some of the. Uh, I think side participants in a small or something is, can you talk about that? Well, I, I think it's across the board in a lot of sports um, in, in basketball, for example, as players leave the court and head back to their locker rooms, fans often wait and wait next to their seats to high five a player. And like one guy will like just in a row, he'll high five and shake hands with say 20 or 50 fans of all ages. And in sumo, they've got their uh, locker rooms, you know, within walking distance of the uh, of the doyo. And depending on where you're sitting, you know, that you can high five or shake hands with the guy or even maybe just touch his touch his arm. And fans feel an emotional connection. And um, it's kind of a ritual, but um, that's being frowned upon and even told that this it won't happen this time at the upcoming Basho. No, it's sad, sad that, you know, for the sports fans that you cannot drink the beer and, you know, screaming and the singing song or the supporter's song, uh, you know. But we, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, we've got to create a maybe a new culture of the sports fans. I don't know. But it's, it's a kind of very silent sports fans culture, which is uh, uh, we've got to do, maybe. Yeah, uh, this is like... Um 
new culture 2.0 or or whatever you want to label it the new normal um you see you see pictures from the baseball and soccer games for example after a home run or after a goal and you see people raising their arms in delight but like a group a dance or like a scramble to cheer together uh, in most cases, you're seeing people a lot more subdued mm. and maybe, yeah, like, like Galileo said, cheering in their heart. Mm. I think on the one hand, though, if I were a very, you know, uh, avid sport fan, I'd be so happy that they're finally letting people in again that I don't think it would matter. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. It's going to be definitely an, an adaptation process uh, to a, a new norm 2.0. <laughs> One other thing too that might will change a lot is um, for fans to bring goods to be signed. Oh yeah, I think they'll they'll have limitations. And um, like back to the, I guess the topic of sumo, how sumo wrestlers they do a handprint as their signature. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna assume that that will be either restricted or yeah not happening. This is a good sign, though, that sumo wrestling, one of Japan's mm-hmm. like most national and proudest um, traditional sports, is allowing mm-hmm. fans to enter the the basho again. Maybe Ed, could you give us a wrap up of what else can we expect for other Japanese sports and their fans in the next coming months? As t- as touched upon a little earlier, um, baseball is hoping to increase capacity up to fifty percent. And I think soccer is also set that exact target of 50% um, for the J League. So there's cautious optimism that restrictions in place for cheering and for drinking alcohol and for cheering and singing and dancing, that they can try to be as normal as possible. And for some of the other events like auto racing and other sports that are um, not as often held, I think they're also monitoring how these other leagues do things to make adjustments along the way. Thank you, Ed, for your input and insight on the sports industry in Japan. Very helpful. Thank you again for joining us. And thank you for all the panelists, too. Thank you for listening. This was the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward.